the PropCast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, Arizona, and now New York. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $10 and get $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. We're also brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy has a 100,000 guaranteed contest for the big game, plus a 100% instant deposit match at ThriveFantasy.com promo code SGP. Ross were brought to you by Stable Duel. Stable Duel is a horse racing DFS app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $15,000 with one entry. Head over to StableDuel.com to get started today. Ross were brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a free-to-play app that lets you bet on all your favorite NFL player props for a chance to win awesome prizes. Download the app today over at betterfantasy.com forward slash SGPN. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Welcome everyone to the PropCast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, February 9th, currently 12-13 on the East Coast, and we are back with the PropCast this week. I know I missed Monday, I had something come up, but joining me as usual on Wednesdays to break down things that are happening in the NBA, and boy is it a lot as well as the player props for the Wednesday night games. My main man, the man that does it both on and off the court for SGP and Scott Reichel. Scott, how you feeling this um, Wednesday afternoon, buddy? I'm feeling okay. See, I was a little bit torn because I had money on the Celtics last night, but as a Nets <laughs> fan, 28-2. to 28-2 to two? Really? It really? was... <laughs> That's what we're doing? Really? <laughs> you need three points for the other team to blow the lead. It's got to be 28 to three. We, did, we didn't work on that. We got to uh, figure that out for next time. But yeah. it was easy money for me. But, I mean, let's assume that a team had that starting five for an entire season. Do you think they reached 10 wins? No. Absolutely no? not. I think absolutely they'd win maybe not. seven. Maybe. Yeah. They would probably go what seven and seventy-five. Is it if my math is correct? Yeah, seven and seventy-five. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, I think the only way you win is if Patty Mills goes for like thirty-five, but that's pretty yeah. much it. <laughs> what an awful line! There's nothing you can do. I mean, you had a bunch yeah. of guys who were out. Harden's being half injured, half held out for potential trades. The team's falling apart, but. I'm not surprised. I said first week of the season when I was on the show with you, mm-hmm. I like Milwaukee and I like Miami. Yeah. And nothing has really changed from that point. Yeah, I agree. I, I was able to get down early on Miami as well. I mean, the line hasn't really moved that much since the beginning or from, you know, midway point of the season uh, where they were just looking really, really good. I know they battled some injuries and things like that did Miami, but yeah, I agree that uh, Milwaukee and Miami, especially Miami, I'm really high on Miami. Um, uh, as we kind of get closer and closer to uh, the end of the season. But, yeah, once those guys are healthy, they look really good. They could be a force to be reckoned with in a seven-game playoff series. But bigger concerns right now uh, for your team, Brooklyn Nets. Gun to your head, uh, Scott, is James Harden gone by tomorrow? Yeah. I think he's going to go. Do I think he should go for Ben Simmons? Truth is, I'm not a big Ben Simmons guy either. Okay. But – I don't know what Harden has shown you, whether it involves his health, quote-unquote, or whatever you want to call it, or the fact that he might be the worst defensive player in the league. It's not working. And you got to try something. Now, realistically, Harden is a free agent at the end of the year. I don't think he's coming back. I think most people assume he's gone. So if you're going to lose him for nothing – besides maybe a last-ditch effort sign-and-trade during the offseason. Mm-hmm. You got to get something for him. So yeah. 
is Ben Simmons a guy that I would trust to be arguably the second best player in my team? No. He'd probably be the third best because I'd put him below Kyrie, who's also a free agent at the end of the year. But the only thing I know is that as long as you have KD under contract for the next couple of years, you can't waste any time. Right. So if you keep Harden, as far as I'm concerned, you got no chance to win a title this year. Mm-hmm. With Simmons and maybe a, a Seth Curry and some draft capital, you're not going to win this year, but you might be better set up for the future. And Simmons is under contract, so you have some stability right. on the roster. Mm-hmm. I think you're screwed either way, but we've seen what the big three is with this current form of Harden. What's the point? I'm, I'm okay with rocking the boat trying to find something that can maybe salvage the season. And worst case is if Ben Simmons rehabilitates his image in the minds of front offices around the league, mm-hmm. maybe you can flip him a couple years down the road. Who knows? Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I think he's gone to it. I think that at least for your sake or Nets, uh, Nets fans sake, that it's coming sooner rather than later that he kind of just quits on your team and, and wants to move on and shows that frustration. But I agree. I think that, you know, we're starting to see some more and more rumors come out and reports come out that there is a trade that's imminent for uh, James Harden to the Sixers. But for the record, by the way, if mm-hmm. Harden goes to the Sixers, mm-hmm. I think they are easily the most overrated team in the league. Easily if Harden goes that goes there. Because people keep talking about how the Sixers, if they get Embiid, are the team to beat in the East. No. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Have you not seen Harden in the playoffs his entire career? Oh, I have for sure. I mean, me, I know I'm, you I'm, have. <laughs> you know how you know the thing about being a Nets fan is that if they commit this trade, Simmons will have to practice, get up to game speed. It's gonna be a mess. But as an NBA fan, I would pay money to see James Harden and Doc Rivers in a Game 7 together. I would pay money for that experiment. <laughs> I want to see it. I think that's a tremendous, I'd say, titanic level of collapse right there in a Game 7. I would pay money to see that. I think that's great entertainment. But I'm assuming – see, I don't really know what your stance is on Harden because on one hand, he brought you to heights that your team hasn't really had in a long time. Yeah. On the other hand – he kind of fell apart in every big moment, and then he made a mess of the situation when he left, which is kind of his M.O. He just burns every bridge he has on his way out. So are you a hardened guy? Or are you still a little bit bitter about the way it ended? I think that we're, as Rockets fans, including myself, I think we're we're bitter about the way things ended with Harden because if you kind of think about the players that Daryl Morey and that front office acquired to pair with James Harden, what more can you ask for? I know the initial, well, I don't know how long this ago when they got Dwight Howard, when he was a little bit still relevant or he was still a good player, that experiment didn't work out. And then they brought in um, Chris Paul. And I think that was a point. And even I think Chris Paul said this on somebody's podcast that that was that best chance for the Rockets to win a title win mm-hmm. if, if Chris Paul didn't get hurt. I know that's excuse that injuries are part of the game and they also didn't have Kevin Durant. But as Rockets fans, I think that, you know, what's happening in Phoenix right now with Devin Booker and Chris Paul was probably the vision that the front office had for the Houston Rockets with Chris Paul and James Harden. Now, James Harden being a diva that he is, that's the reason it didn't work out. Okay, let's fine. Now they traded for Russell Westbrook. That didn't work out either. So if you kind of go down the list of players that the Rockets front office kind of acquired to pair with James Harden and it didn't work out, I'm not surprised to see what's going on in Brooklyn right now with James Harden now wanting to go out and go play somewhere else. And I was having this conversation of all people with my barber yesterday is that the thing that tells me that James Harden is never going to win a championship is that last off season when he was with the Brooklyn Nets, he was out in Paris, France with his buddy, the baby, you know, at the fashion show while Kevin Durant I forgot, was I forgot in the about those photos when he yeah. was like high as a kite with the bait. I forgot about that. Yeah. And Kevin yeah, Durant okay. was in the gym working out, getting, trying to make his game even better than what it already is. So that kind of tells me where, what the mentality is for guys like James Harden. But I mean, you called him a diva on the yeah. NBA gambling podcast last week. I called him a loser, which yeah. I think is kind of the same boat, but he's the kind of guy who wants things his way. Yeah. And if he doesn't get it, he's leaving. And as a Nets fan, I didn't want Harden when they got him in the first place. And now last mm-hmm. year, 
they probably would have won the title had they stayed healthy. Sure. But yeah. the truth is, I'm not a I'm not the biggest Levert guy, but I thought he was a good team guy. Yeah. It was mostly just the fact that I thought Jared Allen was such a valuable piece to that team. And then as, mm-hmm. as soon as you blew up some of the young core yeah. to go overkill on the star power, which mm-hmm. basically killed your entire bench. Yeah. But you throw in KD, Kyrie, Levert, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, I'm, I got lukewarm feelings on, like, whatever. But the point is... Is he ever coming back? Oh, uh, he had a setback, so he's probably out for the year. But okay. as a whole, that's a pretty solid core with Kyrie as your two with Levert and Jared Allen in there. Like, I think that's yeah. a core that's good enough to win the Eastern Conference. Yeah, so I didn't think they needed Harden. Right. Now, and that they, they made the move, and it probably would have worked had they stayed healthy, but... I mean, watching the regular season for that Nets team last year, I know they picked it up in the playoffs defensively. Harden might actually be the worst defensive player I've ever seen. And I'm even trying to exaggerate. Yeah, I I, I don't know who's a worst defensive player because you can talk about some guys like Compazzo who are undersized. They get burned every time they guard anybody. But at least they try. They'll throw some effort in. They'll go over screens. They'll hedge a little bit. They'll try. Mm -hmm. Harden doesn't do anything. Yeah. So I think that just looking at the offensive numbers, which is going to be his Hall of Fame wrap up career, when they review everything, is well, he averaged 36 in a year and he had a bunch of triple doubles. Mm -hmm. I really want somebody to compile his net rating comparing offense and defense because I feel like the defense is so bad for a superstar player, he probably wouldn't be anywhere near the same net rating as I'd say a decent amount of superstars in the link, which I, I think agree. is obvious, but I really do want to see somebody set up the quantitative research on that because percentile wise, when defense is that bad, do you think he would be top 25 percentile? I don't, I don't think so either. Well, so I think that he is a, an offensive player who is of course elite in that area, but it's like watching mellow. I know mm-hmm. that he, he passes the ball more and whatever, but it's like what haunted Carmelo's entire career where people were just going, this guy can drop 30 a game. It's like, yeah, he's given up 40 on the other end. Like, I don't yeah. know what that's going to change for you. And he didn't win anything. So I feel like it's kind of the same story, even though Harden, of course, plays a different style than Melo. They're both very, very ball-heavy isolation style, but still, I feel like Harden's a guy who's just a losing player. And people love the highlights, people love the stats, whatever. But do you trust him to go to war in a seven-game series? Because I could think of a bunch of players I'd rather have than Harden in a playoff series. Yeah, I don't. And, you know, again, when he was with Houston for so long, like you, you said it, he disappears in the playoffs, especially when it comes down to a game six or a game seven. A prime example was, I mean, when Chris Paul went down, you had to win one game. And for one game, he couldn't step up and be, quote unquote, the superstar that I think it was going to be two games. They just happened to lose the first game. Yeah. And I mean, you know, with with Harden, he's going to be one of those other players that gets paid $50 million a year to play basketball and, and, you know, put up the glamorous triple doubles and win an MVP here and there, but not win a championship. And I think no. that's just what it's going to come down to for him. But I think that – I think as, as hindsight, when, it, when we had the experience with James Harden in Houston and now looking at it in Brooklyn, I think eventually it's going to be an addiction, uh, addition by subtraction for the Brooklyn Nets. And I think that we don't know what Ben Simmons is going to look like. He's going to have that chip on his shoulder, Scott, when he comes in, if this trade happens, and I think it will between the Nets and – and if it, whenever Kyrie, if he does decide to, you know, get vaccinated or wherever the, you know, the state rules are going to be with the, with the mandate, having two scores like Kyrie Irving and KD and not having to rely on Ben Simmons, who's one of the best, best defenders in the league, I think that's going to go a long way for them. It might take another year or two, but I, I think it's going to be a, a great addition by subtraction without James Harden on this roster. And in like, the, only, the only question the reasons- with Simmons is how long do you have to wait before he's actually in game shape? And that's the whole thing, right? We don't know what he's been doing this whole time being away from the Sixers. Like, has he been in shape? Has he been keeping up in shape? Has he been working on his game? We don't know the thing. So until we see it on the basketball court and and what kind of happens if this trade does kind of transpire and what Ben Simmons comes out and says and we see it on the floor, that's what we're kind of know. But again, once you get KD back, 
Um, you know, I, I just don't think this is going to be the year. I think for I think you agree with this for the Nets this year. Maybe next year where they kind of build a roster even more. Uh, it, well, Kyrie might be players. gone, so that's a yeah. whole separate can of worms. But whatever. Yeah, and they might you might have another player that ends up there instead of Kyrie. Maybe it's like a Bradley Beal or Dame Lillard or somebody you know that type of player that can come into there and pair with Kevin Durant along with Ben Simmons. So I think it's gonna be interesting times for uh, Brooklyn Nets uh, fans uh, like yourself. So I wouldn't be too down about it. I think I'd be more excited that James Harden is gone and, and mess with the team chemistry than you know. And I'm speaking this from experience as a user Rockets fan as well. So I, I got to go back to that one. Uh, press conference that he had because I don't think I was on the show with you by the time that he said that. Yeah, they lost to the Kings, and he said we've done enough talking. It's time to act. <laughs> yeah, we have. You scored points. four points. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Are you talking to yourself? Like, like I, I understand once again that Harden is a guy who has a bunch of highlights. He's got the beard gimmick. You know, I, yeah. I get it. You know, he used to have the chef celebration, which was a thing. I get it. You know, it's fun. Whatever, but. I can't get past the part where he loses in the playoffs by 37 to San Antonio. And he's at a strip club four hours later. And that was a long time ago, but I can't get that out of my head, man. I mean, I don't know how you're supposed to view this guy as somebody who you want to go to war with Yeah, when he's in the club half the time after the win or lose. And that just tells you everything that you need to know right there. Yeah, he's a James selfish Harden. guy. I mean, yeah. you're not surprised by that, but people yeah. think that just because you put up numbers, you're automatically in a bad situation and yep. you are not the problem. He is the problem. The same way that Melo was a problem, no matter where he went back in the 2000s or even the 2010s, he doesn't guard anybody and you need to guard somebody if you want to win the championship. Yeah, I agree. So uh, hopefully there is a trade that transpired for the sake of uh, Brooklyn Nets fans or that. Just they, don't trade him for Westbrook and I'll be fine with it. Oh, God. Uh, I think you're going to flip a table and I might not hear for you for a week or so if, if that transpires. For I'm where. just going to laugh, honestly, <laughs> if, if that would happen. But yeah, we don't have to segue into the Lakers game yesterday because there's not really much to say. Milwaukee's yeah. the better team. There's really mm-hmm. not much to break yeah. down. Yeah. I don't know what other moves you're expecting. I have to assume that involving your team, Eric Gordon's going to be shipped somewhere. I don't know where, but he's going to be gone. Yeah, 100%. And we know this, right? I mean, you know, he's had a great season so far for the Rockets working with the, uh, you know, the young guys. You know, he's a class guy, man. He hasn't complained about anything about requesting a trade when he just came out and played basketball and worked with the young guys. And um, you get a first for him? I th- so from what I've read from the local guys that cover the Rockets, um, that there are two trades on the table that include a first round pick. Now we don't know what the stipulations are to that, but Do you know um, the teams? I-, I think they said Utah was one, and then Phoenix was the another one. And I think we yeah, do Phoenix. I, I understand. You and I both, I think, agree that they needed an Eric Gordon type of player, and I think that you know that trade may come into fruition. But I, I don't get Utah. Utah just sounds like you're trying to replace Joe Ingles with yeah, Eric exactly. Gordon, but your but your team's not good enough to win anyway. So what's the yeah. point? Yeah, I think those were the two teams that were mentioned um, from the latest things that I see. But um, I can get behind the Phoenix one if it involves Shamit getting less minutes. So I, I'm fine with that. Yeah, and that was a uh, name that they had mentioned in the trade with the first round pick. Uh, I think Boston was also mentioned. Okay, they need shooting. So okay, uh, Boston was also mentioned as well in that trade. So yeah, I'd be very surprised uh, if Eric Gordon's still on this a rocket squad. What is that like, uh, Gordon for like Neesmith like, Smith in a second rounder or something? Yeah, I think they said um, either I Josh Richardson or Neesmith Smith in a first rounder or second rounder for uh, Richardson's Eric. actually been decent lately. So I'm assuming it's Neath Smith because he's just completely out of the rotation. Yeah. Um, let's move over to the trades that kind of did happen. Uh, we did cover this on the NBA gambling podcast this morning, but I do want to get your thoughts about it quickly. Uh, Scott, let's start with the, uh, the more of the head scratcher, I guess we can go with the Kings and the Pacers trade with Tyrese Halliburton on the move to the Pacers along with Buddy Hill, Tristan Thompson, and the, uh, Kings get in return. Sabonis, uh, Justin holiday and Jeremy lamb. Yeah. I think a second round pick is in there as well, but Complete head scratcher here, uh, Scott, but I'm going to give you the floor. I'm sure you're going to go in on this Sacramento Kings organization. So uh, initial reaction when you heard about this trade? Well, first of all, I know you threw in the Trishan Thompson name because, of course, he was involved. There's what, like a 98% chance he gets bought out in a couple weeks? Yeah, I would probably – I think it's probably the paperwork is getting signed right now. Like there's there's no chance he's going to be on that team in about like two weeks. But anyway yeah. – the Kings, I don't, I don't understand, but that's why we like the win total under because the Kings do stupid things, and this is one of them. I like Sabonis as a player. 
He was an all-star last year. I know that he's got talent. Are you rebuilding or are you trying to be half competitive? Because right now the Kings have one foot inside the competitive door and one foot out the door because your team is going to miss the playoffs. You can make an argument. You're going for a push for a playing spot. Congratulations. You'll lose an extra game. You're not making the playoffs. So what's the point? And you can make an argument that if you were going to blow it up, De'Aaron Fox was the name that you were trying to ship off. Exactly. Or even a Marvin Bagley, who you've been trying to trade for a year and a half. Nobody wants him. He's a head case. His father, he doesn't want him to be there, whatever. So on top of not getting rid of Fox or Bagley, you trade Halliburton, who's your best young player on the roster. So I just don't understand how you can go through a rebuild direction and then trade away the guy who has the brightest upside of any player, I'd say, below, what, 24? How old's De'Aaron Fox now? Fox, let me see. I can look it up here. If I had to guess, I'd say he's 25 or 26. De'Aaron Fox is 24. Okay, so maybe 23 and under, I meant. But the point is... Fox is young, but you want to move him. Like, it's been pretty much through the tea leaves. You can figure out that Fox was supposed to be on the move. Mm -hmm. So I just don't understand the direction of the team because I like Sabonis, but what did you do? You moved from the, what, like 12 seed to the 12 seed? Like, I just don't, I don't know what you're doing. Like, what, (laughs) did you improve? Like, I I don't get it. It's one thing if you want to tank and that way you'll get a good draft pick. It's another thing, if you want to be New Orleans, I'll get to that trade in a second. I don't really like that trade either. But New Orleans is at least trying to show signs of being competitive. Mm -hmm. Sacramento made a blockbuster trade and basically stayed the same. They went from a non-playoff team to a non-playoff team. Am I missing something? Uh, No, you are not. And this, I mean, look, we we talked about this uh, I talked about this with a couple of buddies as well, and then I talked about it with Terrell offline as well. And this team has had has some type of plan that they're putting together for the Kings, and this plan has been trying to put in motions post Chris Weber and Mike Bibby era. It just doesn't seem like like what the hell do you want to do when they drafted Tyrese Halliburton number one? That was a head scratcher for me as well. But and I asked. Terrell this morning as well. And if I told you that the 10 teams that are not in playoff contention right now, who has the best starting backcourt that you would want to build around is Darren Fox and Tyrese Halliburton not at the top of that list. I think it has to be because both those guys are very solid. Of course, one of them with Fox has some consistency issues. And Halliburton has been stuck kind of backing up Fox for most of the year, but we saw Halliburton did when Fox was out, he was just walking into 12 assists every night. Yeah. And so let me ask you this as well. Now, for the Pacers side, does this mean that they keep Malcolm Brogdon paired with Tyrese Halliburton, or do you think he's on the move as well? I think that Brogdon's probably going to be on the move. Now, we talked about the Pacers a couple of weeks ago, and I said if you are going to trade everybody, Mm -hmm. you probably need to keep one person because as a small market team, it's tough to attract free agents. Yeah. So you can't start completely at ground zero. I do think that you're going to be looking at Brogdon potentially staying. Okay. Do I think he's going to? Separate story. I think yes. I think they will try out this backcourt yeah. of Brogdon and Halliburton for at least half a season mm-hmm. and see what happens. Now, plus, it's a tricky spot because I don't know if you can trade an injured Miles Turner. So I don't know if you can fully, fully blow it up. Yeah. But I think he should be traded if you can. People forget TJ Warren's still on the roster. Yep. I don't know if he has any market. I don't know when he's supposed to come back. I haven't heard rumors about him the entire year. No. But you might want to trade him maybe for a pick or two if you can get the cap space. But I feel like Indiana's in a spot where they know that the old guard or core just couldn't do it enough to actually get them over the top. Halliburton and Brogdon, I know Brogdon's injured all the time. They're just winning basketball players. They just do a lot of little things that involve high basketball IQ, and they're extremely efficient. 
So I do think that both of them on their own are brilliant basketball players. The issue that you have is with both of them needing the ball. I know Brogdon can, can play a little bit off ball. Halliburton, eh, I don't know if he's really that good off ball. Yeah. They're going to struggle, but they basically punted the season. I'm giving them an A for the trade because they knew they had to blow it up and they got Halliburton out of it. So, and Buddy Heald. Now, Heald, I think, will be flipped. I don't think they're keeping Heald. I think they might keep him for the end of the year. Do you think they're going to keep him? Because I don't know how he fits their rebuilding plan. I don't think so either. I think that this guy either probably may be a candidate on either a buyout or maybe another team kind of swoops in. I don't know how the uh, exact details will work, if they can move him again after a trade. But, um, yeah, I, I think I agree with you that Pacers definitely won this trade as well. And the interesting part was I was looking at, you know, the post – um, reactions from you know reporters on Twitter, and they said that a lot of executives around the league didn't even know that Tyrese Halliburton was even available in trade talks. Nobody like, did. Yeah, and like you mentioned, like it was the name that was floating around from the Kings was De'Aaron Fox. That was supposed to be on the move, but they went in a completely different direction here. But moving to the second trade between the Pelicans and the Blazers here, um, you've already went in on this Blazers team as well, but. Uh, what do you kind of make of this trade with the uh, Pelicans acquiring CJ McCollum to kind of maybe pair with Brandon Ingram, at least for half of the season here? So, by the way, for the grades for the first trade, I give Indiana an A. Yeah, I can't fully grade it because I do think that Heald's going to be on the move. So I kind of want to wait to see how the rest of it plays out. Mm-hmm. But the Kings, I'm giving a D minus. The only oh, reason yeah. why it's not an F is because I actually like Sabonis as a player, but yeah. I just don't get the direction. So that's my thoughts on that trade. As for the... Portland-New Orleans trade, it's very rare you find a trade where both teams might have lost. Okay. I think both teams might have lost. And I know people all over social media love the trade for New Orleans. Mm -hmm. They picked up McCollum. They didn't give up much. And now they have a big three. It's amazing what we call a big three nowadays. (laughs) Is Marcus Smart part of a big three in Boston? Uh, Uh, But you're looking at... New Orleans, you got Ingram, Zion, question mark, who might not play. I don't know what's going on with Zion. And CJ McCollum. Yeah. And you stack them up in the Western Conference. Of course, you still have Valanchunas, and, you know, you got some pieces there. But is that big three or is that core good enough to get you a top six seed in the Western Conference in any given year? My answer is no. No. So my question for you for New Orleans, A, why'd you make the trade? And B, are you happy paying McCollum 30 plus million dollars every year post-extension? Because he just signed one with with Portland Mm -hmm. to pair him up with Ingram and Zion. We're still not sure if Ingram and Zion can even play together, which is a separate story. We don't know when Zion's gonna play. That's another story. Yeah. So I don't know why New Orleans, I know they've been better lately. So props to them for circling the wagons a little bit. Now they're in the play-in. I mean, whatever that means, the last team in, they're going to get their brains beaten in in the play-in. But still, Mm -hmm. they've been more competitive. You're buying while you're 10 games under 500. What is happening? It's difficult to say because, again, like the points you made about, we don't know what's going on with Zion, right? And we haven't heard anything since ever since that that report that came out that he was away from the team training in Portland or whatever the case might have been. Training is a stretch for Zion, but that's a separate story. Yeah, Um, but I don't think we can consider a big three. If I pose you the question, who's going to play more games together? Was it – is it going to be – Ingram, McCollum, and Zion, or was it going to be Kyrie, KD, and Harden? Which one would you take? Ooh, that's a tough one, man. <laughs> this is a parallel universe where Ben Simmons does not get acquired for James Harden? Um, let's just say he does get acquired for James Harden. Well, if he does get acquired, then I can't talk about the big three because it doesn't exist. Well, let's say it doesn't then. The, there you go. Okay, that's yeah, why you're say, confusing yeah. me there. Yeah. Um. I don't know if Zion's going to play more than 30 games in a season anytime soon. I, I got to go with the big three with the Nets because historically speaking, Harden has been relatively durable. Yeah. The issue was Kyrie. Mm-hmm. He's not injured. He just has his own thing going on. 
So if I had to pick going into a season with no pandemic, no mandates, whatever, yeah, I'd assume Brooklyn's big three would be healthier yes. for the majority of the in comparison. But New Orleans, I, I don't know what they're doing either. I mean, they trade it. They let Lonzo walk. So you think they're going to tank. They pick up Devontae Graham for a first round pick and he doesn't fit the roster at all. Now they pick up McCollum for some I, with a contract attached to it. And I know McCollum's a good player. Yeah. And Herb Jones is a good defensive player. And the reason why I bring him up, that big three of Ingram, Zion, and McCollum, does that guarantee you a bottom five defense in the league? Min- like best case scenario, <laughs> bottom 10. Like you're not stopping anybody. Yeah, New Orleans has traditionally been known not to be a great defensive team, right? And I think they've been one of the best teams to back overs uh, yeah. over the last couple of seasons. And yeah, defense is definitely optional in the big, big easy. And I, I was asking, posing that question to you for exactly the way that you answered is that health, right? We've seen so many times where CJ McCollum has been out for an extended mm-hmm. time. We've seen Brandon Ingram miss games with ankle injuries. And, and now the whole thing with Zion, we don't even know if he's going to ever play another game. In a Pelicans uniform. I mean, you know, we heard last season, like you mentioned, that if Brandon Ingram and Zion can coexist and play together, I'm not sure that's, you know, if that's going to be the case now. So definitely going to be interesting to see what direction these teams or if there is even a direction that they want to go in or what their plan is between the Sacramento Kings and the New Orleans Pelicans. Portland is another story, but I'm going to save that for a Friday when I get the thoughts from you and uh, and Terrell on that. Terrell did go in a little bit on Portland, but uh, we'll save that for Friday when we do the wrap-up show. Uh, anything else you want to get off of your chest, Scott? Uh, you see maybe over the past week or, or any other maybe interesting names that you think that may be on the move here as we approach the trade deadline? Well, I already mentioned Eric Gordon. I'm yeah. assuming he's going to be gone. I have to assume Terrence Ross is going to be gone too. Okay. So I'd look for a lot of these teams to try to stack up on bench shooting. Mm-hmm. which is always an underrated commodity. Yeah. They're not even underrated, just a lot of teams are scarce in that department yeah. as to what they want to be. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to teams that need to make a move, and I know that this team is one of the best teams in the Western Conference, and they're one of the favorites to win the title, the Warriors need something. And I feel like even though I like Kaminga a lot, he's been really good so far this season. Yeah, I look at the bench... For Golden State, maybe it's just the fact that based on bias for my entire career, just watching basketball, I don't have faith in Otto Porter Jr., Andrew Wiggins, and Andre Iguodala as your three small forwards. I feel like they need something. I know Kaminga can play the small forward a little bit, Mm -hmm. but they also like to go small so he can play the power forward a bit. Golden State needs some type of firepower, or at least they need more of it, because Curry has been the shooting slump for what, a month and a half? Just about there, yeah. Clay has been better lately. We know Draymond's injured, so they could use some forward depth, but we know he's more of a defensive guy and a facilitator. But when it comes to making moves, I just mentioned Terrence Ross. Isn't that a perfect fit for Golden State because all Ross wants to do is come around screens? Yeah, and I, and I think that you know this is one of the two. Like, I think right there with Phoenix, like, they need that scoring punch off the bench and – I'm not sure if they're going to make that move or not, but I think they need to. They the need to is, have I think Golden State piece. has enough firepower to compete with Milwaukee or even Phoenix. They maybe would be able to beat, but I think we would agree that if you're going to go all in on a season and Golden State should, because I don't know how many years left you have of Clay and Curry together in their somewhat prime. I'm not sure what Clay's in the middle of right now, but he still looks pretty good out there. Yeah. You got to make a move or two. And I do think that the one main issue on Golden State's roster is when you're throwing out like Bialiksa for 15 minutes because you don't have a bench. You need somebody who can get you some buckets so Curry doesn't have to play 35-plus minutes and hope he doesn't shoot terribly. You need need more punch. And I feel like their title-winning teams had a Sean Livingston. Yeah. Somebody who you could just go to with a bench unit Tell him, I'll give you 20 minutes. Give me 12, 15 points. Go. They need somebody like that. And I do think that unless they pick one up, yeah. they're going to run into some issues in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not sure that Jordan Poole is that guy right now for them coming off the bench um, to get him that 
12, 15 points. Um, He's good. But, I think they need another guy. Yeah, probably another guy. I, I don't trust Otto Porter Jr. and, and uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson to kind of come off that bench, especially in the playoffs to, uh, you know, when Curry's getting his rest and Thompson's getting his rest. And we don't know what this team's going to also look like without um, without Draymond Green back. I mean, we've seen shadows of it and shades of it when this big three won, what, 73 games together? But I think I agree with you that they do need to get one more piece um, on this bench for the Golden State Warriors. I think I think every team kind of needs a piece. Like Milwaukee needs yeah. a backup center. Yeah, I mean they tried Boogie Cousins, uh, didn't really work. Lopez, you don't know when he's going to come back, but mm. you kind of need a backup center. So every team that you can look at that's competitive needs an extra piece. Yeah. So I mentioned Golden State, Phoenix could use the same thing. Mm-hmm. I that's why they're going for Eric Gordon. Milwaukee needs a center. Uh, Brooklyn needs everything. <laughs> uh, the Lakers need a buyout to the Westbrook contract. No, like the, I, I, I'm just saying there's a lot yeah. of teams that need a lot of help or at least some minor pieces before they're fully, fully set. Yeah. Milwaukee looks really, really close. And the truth is the one team that I think is actually as close to being complete as possible. I think it's Miami. Yeah. I have no idea what Miami needs. I mean, defensively, they don't need anything. You have a veteran point guard that you picked up with Kyle Lowry. You have a two-way superstar or all-star in Jimmy Butler. You have your inside presence. You he have your shooters. guy off the bench that gives you 18. Yeah. Um, Oladipo might come back, maybe. And that's the biggest question mark, right? Correct, but that's another bench guy, assuming yeah. that you might get him without having to trade anything for him. But yeah. I guess backup center maybe, but even your backup centers aren't even that terrible. Miami just seems to have an actual squad. Yeah, they have oh, well, obviously Bam, but then you have Dwayne Dedman also if they want to put Omar Yurtsevin. Uh, I like Yurtsevin. Yeah, at that backup position to choose just some monster cleaning up the class. But yeah, I think that this is a team that does, they have. I don't know what they need. All star and a star, but yeah, I don't think they really need that much. I think health even is the Gabe biggest thing. Vincent's decent as a backup point guard. Yeah, they just need help. That's just what it is for. Yeah. They just need everybody to stay healthy for the Miami Heat. So I uh, won't be surprised if they end up as the number one seed in the Eastern I'm Conference. I'm trying to think maybe, like a, maybe another wing defender in case you don't really like, unless P.J. Tucker gets injured or something. But depth, of course, is important. But maybe yeah. another defensive-minded forward. But the thing is, you have to actually think about it because Miami's roster is like eight or nine deep, maybe even more. Yeah. And all of the guys they have, I actually like. Yeah. So I think they're the closest to being completed for their rosters compared to the rest of the league. I don't know if that means they're going to win the title, but I do think this is the type of roster and the players that Miami's going to ride or die with. It just seems like this is the full roster construction. This is what we got for better or worse. Let's let it ride. That's my opinion. I don't expect Miami to make a move. Yeah, Miami, I think just need the, the health and continuity with this roster that they have going forward. I think they're going to be in good shape uh, come playoff time in that Eastern Conference, making that push to get into the NBA Finals. Uh, Scott, let's put a bow on that, man. We'll come back after a break here. We'll get into our player props for the Wednesday night schedule. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and coming soon, Louisiana. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. WinBet is now live in New York. Don't forget about all the props that will be available on WinBet for the Super Bowl. The best part, you can build your own bet to create a prop-focused same-game parlay for the big game. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, we have what you need to win. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Stable Duel. There are never enough things to gamble on, and the one sport that runs 365 days a year is horse racing. Best part is, now there is a new way to play the ponies, especially if you are brand new to the sport. Check out Stable Duel, a daily fantasy style app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. Pick your horses, build your stable, and play against others to move up the leaderboard. Win as much as $15,000 with one entry. 
Don't know anything about horses? Not to worry. The app gives you clear data on which horses to select to build your best strategy. The app gives you free... The app is free to download at StableDuel.com. Multiple games are offered each day with free games weekly at tracks all over the United States. Get in the app, create your account, and start building your stables today. Invite your friends to play against you and play against them against our stables. You can even follow them in the app and we can compare our own stats. Download now at StableDuel.com and see how many winners you can pick in your stable. See you in the winner's circle. Play, race, win. All right, coming off of the break, let's get into these player props for uh, this Wednesday night schedule. Scott, I'm going to give you the floor first, man. First player prop for tonight, what do you got? So first one, I'm going to go with the guy who's been scoring a bunch of points recently. It's going to be DeMarco Rosen, and I'm taking him over 28.5 at around minus 118. He scored at least 31 points in each of the last three games. He scored at least 38 points in each of the last two games. Charlotte defensively is not very good, and Chicago's team total in this game is 115.5. So you're expecting Chicago to score a decent amount in this spot. DeRozan's been nuts. Yeah, I'll take the over 28.5 because it's really tough to just even envision him scoring less than 30 in any given game anymore. Yeah, this guy's been an absolute monster this season. I mean, that's kind of understating it. He's fourth in the league right now in points per game, and if you just look at his game log, what he's done over this, I mean, the entire season, I guess we can say, but even over the last couple of games, you're 38 against the Phoenix Suns, 45 against the Sixers, 31 the, against the Pacers. Those are good defenses, though. You mentioned yeah. the Sixers and the Suns. Like, that. that's not a cakewalk. Yeah, it's not. And then if you kind of, I mean, defensively, Charlotte's been respectable over the last five ga- or five games, but they haven't played the greatest competition or offenses like um, the Chicago Bulls. So I love this play, DeMar DeRozan. I was eyeballing this as well. Uh, I'm going to say in the same game and on the same team as well, I'm going to go with Nikola Vucevic. Again, take his rebounds over 13 and a half here tonight um, against the Charlotte Hornets. And, you know, this is a, a a player prop or a rebounding prop that I've been targeting for opposing centers that go up against the Charlotte Hornets. And, you know, over Just the last... Out. Just yeah, Mason Plumley. I mean, okay, look. there you go. Yeah. There you go. Opposing centers over the last five games, it keeps on getting worse for them, or at least, sorry, over the last seven games. Um, centers are averaging 17.7 uh, rebounds per contest. Power forwards are averaging 11 and a half. Earlier this season against the Charlotte Hornets, uh, Nikola Vucevic went for 30 points and grabbed 14 rebounds. And over the last several games, or not the last two, but I mean, against Indiana, 17, against Toronto, 18, 14 against the Blazers, all teams that don't really have a true center uh, like the Charlotte Hornets. So I'm going to go Busevich over 13 and a half rebounds here tonight against the Charlotte Hornets uh, as well in the same game, Scott. Yeah, you're fading Mason Palmley. I don't yeah. really have any issues with that. All right, let's get to your next player prop, man. What do you got? So going to stick with points, but I'm looking at the Toronto-Oklahoma City game. And I'm going with Fred Van Vliet, and his number is 19 and a half. I don't know how Van Vliet cannot be in the 20s automatically, looking at his player prop uh, for this spot. You're looking at the recent performances. He has scored at least 20 in each of the last four games. For the season, he's averaging 21.6 points per game. And they faced off against Oklahoma City earlier this season. He only had 19, but he shot 30% from the floor. So even a mediocre shooting performance, he should cruise into the mid-20s. Now, of course, it's a big spread. There's blowout potential here, yeah. which is going to be concerning. Mm-hmm. But Fred Van Vliet, all-star Fred Van Vliet, 19 and a half. That's just way too low for a guy who loves to shoot, especially from three. Yeah. So based on volume alone, not to mention the talent behind it, mm-hmm. I got to go with Van Vliet over 19 and a half. Yeah, I can't argue with you with it uh, on Van Vliet, man. Obviously, an all-star this year. Um, he's he's shooting the ball well. He, he's scoring the points for the Toronto Raptors, like you mentioned. And you know, defensively, at least for OKC against that kind of that shooting guard uh, and the power, sorry, the point guard and shooting guard position, they're giving up not only three-point shots made, but also they're giving up the points as well, uh, as well, close to over close to 20 for the point guard position and uh, shooting guard position at 23.7. So, um, yeah, I think that potential is there for sure. 
Uh, but if it makes you feel any better, uh, Terrell did pick the OKC Thunder as his dog for today. So maybe it is a going to be a competitive game and we'll see minutes being played by this um, Toronto Raptors team as they have been uh, over the course of the season when they got their starters back. Um, crazy to say, but I'm staying in the same game, but I'm going to the Thunder side. And I'm going to say Lou Dort. Give me the over 18 and a half points on uh, him tonight. Obviously, they're without uh, Shea in this game, but, you know, in games without Shea this season, uh, Dort last game against the Warriors scored 26. He had 23 the other night against the Portland Trailblazers, 30 against the Dallas Mavericks in a game prior to that. Um, and against the Toronto Raptors, these two teams did match up earlier this season where he did drop 22 in that game with Shea in the lineup as well. Dort's been playing a lot of minutes as he should be because of the injuries that the OKC Thunder have. And it's pretty much a play on, you know, the injuries that the Thunder are suffering, right? 38 point, 38 minutes last game, 33, 40, 34, 41. He's gone over this number in four out of the last five games for the OKC Thunder. Uh, Three straight games. He's gone over this number in four out of the last five, like I mentioned for Luke Dort. So I will take over 18 and a half here tonight for Lou Dort points against the Raptors in this game, Scott. Yeah, can't really argue with it. The volume speaks for itself. Unless he gets blown out, even if they get blown out, yeah, he still is going to take a lot of shots for this team. So if you want to go by volume alone, mm-hmm. it's kind of like why I'm taking Van Vliet. Yeah. You just have a guy who shoots a bunch of threes every game. Mm-hmm. Total is in the teens. It seems a bit low. Yeah, and same thing with Dort, right? Like he, he's also yeah. averaging 10 three-point shots made, so I think we're kind of on the same page, but different guys here. But, um, yeah, I do love this play as well. All right, Tyler, let's get to your last one, man. What do you got? So I'm going to go to the Jazz and Golden State Warriors game. I'm looking at Mike Conlon, and his point total is 13.5 at around minus 102, so close to even money. I'm taking the over. Uh, he's been very good lately. He scored at least 14 points in each of the last six games. He has scored at least 14 points in nine of the last 10 games. And Utah's team total for this game is 111 and a half. Mm-hmm. Now, Conley's played against Golden State twice. He has not shot the ball well in those two games. So I do acknowledge that point. But 13 and a half for a guy who's been walking into 14 every game for the past about three weeks. Mm-hmm. I got to take an over because we know Conley's a great free throw shooter. We know that he is a good three point shooter when he's on. As long as he doesn't shoot 30%, 35%, if he's anywhere near 40, he should go over. So I'm going to take the over. Yeah. And again, this is a team that's going to need that scoring, right? And I, I didn't, I should have checked this updated uh, injury report. Uh, is Jordan Clarkson back for this team? I know Donovan Mitchell is, but yeah, he's back as well. But regardless, I mean, without Joe Ingles, no, Rudy Gobert. I think that now you're trying to see and get scoring out of uh, Mike Conley for sure in this game. And, you know, with that, with the total where it's at, we should be seeing points scored in this game uh, between these two squads in the Warriors and the Jazz. So, I, again, I uh, can't argue with Mike Conley uh, at that number uh, for your uh, last player prop there, Scott. Uh, for my last one, I'm going to go back to that Chicago Bulls game. I'm going to go with Kobe White. I'm going to go over two and a half, three point shots made. For him, I would assume who is going to be out for this game for the Chicago Bulls. He, he he has a concussion, so he should be out for probably a week. And I think Kobe White's going to probably step into that starting lineup to take his spot. Obviously, they're still without AC. They're still without um, Alonzo Ball as well. And the three-point defense for the Charlotte Hornets has not been great over the last five games. Opponent three-point percentage for the Charlotte Hornets at number 25 at 39.2. Opponent three-point shots made is at number 20 at 13. And opponent's uh, three-point attempts for the against Charlotte Hornets is at number 12. But I think that, you know, Kobe White should get some open shots here, especially with the amount of attention that's going to go to a guy like DeMar DeRozan um, and Zach Levine. So I think that should open up opportunities for a guy like Kobe White. And, you know, the concern has been that he hasn't got this number over the past couple of games, but the minutes that he's now going to have to uh, play in the absence of Desumu, like I mentioned, um, he's been able to knock shots down right against Toronto. He made four prior to that against the Spurs. He had four against the Portland Trailblazers. He had three as well. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be keeping an eye on the minutes for Kobe White as well as a shot volume as well for uh, Kobe White. But I'm going to take the over two and a half, three-point shots made here tonight against the uh, Hornets in this game. 
Yeah, he's probably going to push 30 minutes or so, so yeah. I don't mind it. All right. Scott, let's take one last break here. We'll come back. We'll identify best bets, and we'll get into some final thoughts, maybe some Super Bowl talk as well. Uh, so we'll be right back after we uh, hear from our sponsors. We're brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. With Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 of the 20 available players to build your lineup for the Bengals versus the Rams game. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has a $100,000 guaranteed contest for the big game that is $25 to enter and first place takes home $20,000. Use promo code SGP when you sign up today and you will receive a 100% instant first deposit match up to $100. Deposit $100 or more to receive the match plus two free 100,000 contest entries. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store by visiting their website www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. ThriveFantasy.com, promo code SGP. Roster brought to you by PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. The only thing more exciting than watching the NFL playoffs is PropSwapping the NFL playoffs. January was PropSwap's biggest month ever, as bettors from across the country crashed, cashed in on their Super Bowl futures, like Jamie from New York, who sold a $100, 25-1 Bengals Super Bowl ticket for $1,000. The buyer got great odds, and Jamie made 10 times his money. PropSwap has thousands of buyers across the country, so you'll always find the best odds and collect the most amount of money for your bets. Hurry and download the free PropSwap app today. PropSwap has some fantastic features like filtering listed tickets based on the best value, a free activity feed to stay in the know with all your big sales and red hot ticket sales. A loyalty rewards program that turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash and a first deposit cash match. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and PropSwap will match your deposit up to $500. Join the real sports bettors on PropSwap where America buys and sells sports bets. Make sure to use promo code SGP. Roster brought to you by Better Fantasy. The fantasy, the fantasy season may be over, but the action is still coming in on Better Fantasy app. Download their free-to-play app today to bet on player props for the NFL games. You can also enter their player prop pools and score big when you win. We love Better Fantasy because we can win awesome prizes and even raise some money for charity along the way. It's totally free to play. You'll earn better credits by completing challenges and use them to place your bets. Better Fantasy is available worldwide and in all 50 states. Download the app today over at betterfantasy.com forward slash SGPN. That's betterfantasy.com forward slash SGPN. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app. The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all of our free picks and podcasts. And don't forget to toss up an app review and download the SGPN app today. All right, coming off of the break, Scott, let's get into best bets first, man. What's your best bet for tonight? So uh, I like all three, but for me, I got to go with DeRozan over 28 and a half. I mean, he's been a man possessed. I already mentioned the numbers. He's walking into 30 almost every night. But Charlotte defensively, they've been okay lately. But as you said before, they've not really faced off against an offense of Chicago's caliber recently. Yeah. I don't know who on Charlotte's supposed to guard the guy. Who Who's going to guard DeRozan? I, I don't think so. I don't know how to visit money there. I mean, maybe Bridges question mark. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe Bridges, maybe Washington. I don't know. And, and this was a point that we had discussed on the uh, pod this morning with, with uh, on the NBA gambling pod with uh, Terrell is that the numbers right now for the um, Charlotte Hornets look great. But they haven't really played anybody over the last four games. Even, even offensively, their numbers aren't great, but they played pretty good defensive teams. But as far as defending DeMar DeRozan, you mentioned earlier that they played Phoenix, they played Toronto, they've played teams that are pretty good defenses, and he's just absolutely gone bananas against them. So anything at 27 and a half for DeMar DeRozan, you've got to take the over because the man is possessed this season. Do you uh, see just, 27 and a half? Cause I, I said, 20. I thought I saw a 27 and a half earlier. Maybe it moved to 28 and a half. If it's 27 and a half now, even better. I'll take that. Uh, let me see here. Oh, it's at 27 and a half now on uh draft Kings. Um, but yeah, even if it's at 28 and a half, I still like that. He should well, he said have 27 no and a half. So that's what we're going with. 
<laughs> we'll go with 27 I'll take the and a half. Extra point. I'll take. He, he's going to get into the 30s. There's no, no, we don't even need that extra half point for Demar Derozan. Um, so yeah, I love this play as your best bet, um, Scott. Uh, for my best bet, I'm going to go to uh, Lou Dort here tonight, man. Um, against the uh, Raptors. Again, played well against them when they did have Shea, when they went up to Canada to take uh, on the Raptors, where they did get the victory up there. He scored 22. And obviously without um, Shea Gilkis Alexander in this lineup, he's been playing well. Um, I mentioned he's been in 20-plus over the last three games, for the last five games. Minutes will be there. Shot volume will be there for him as well. And he's jacking up a lot of three-point shots as well. He's averaging close to nine and a half to ten three-point shots made. Or sorry, uh, attempts for uh, Lou Dort. So I'm going to take the over on Lou Dort over 18 and a half in this game. Uh, Scott, Super Bowl this week. Maybe uh, if you want to give a couple props out, I'll get your official prediction on the uh, Friday show between uh, me, you, and Terrell because it's closer to the end of the week, but any props that you do want to give out to the listeners on the prop cast here for the Super Bowl, the floor is yours. So, so far I got three that I've really been looking into. Okay. First one's going to be a pretty basic one. I like Odell over 69 receiving yards at around minus 120. Uh, he's had at least 69 receiving yards in each of the last two games. Mm-hmm. We know Cup is going to get all the attention from pretty much just the Bengals for the last two plus weeks of preparation. Yeah, because he's had one of the best receiver uh, seasons for a receiver of all time. Mm-hmm. But Odell had 100 plus yards for the first time in a couple of years last game. Yeah, and the Bengals secondary not great. There's a decent chance Odell might see a lot of Eli Apple. I'll take my chances. <laughs> Sixty and a half just sounds way too low for Odell. Yeah, I love that one. I actually did, I also did get down on this as well. Uh, I got it at 62 and a half, but uh, definitely on the sharp side of that, Scott, where you got it at 60 and a half. So, yeah, I think that, like you mentioned, the targets have been there for Odell over the last two games, especially over the last three games in the playoffs. And, you know, it seems like he's kind of gotten his foot down, not only over the last two games of the season, but even in the playoffs in his Rams um, offense for um with Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay and I think that he's going to be an integral part for them to win this game on Sunday um for the Rams so I do like that one as well what else you got so second one is going to be a defender is it going to be a pretty interesting prop but it's going to be on Trey Hendrickson okay. to record a sack at minus 125 now I know laying a minus price to record a sack sounds wild but the only thing crazier is Hendrickson's numbers this season because he's recorded at least one sack in 15 of 18 games this season. Wow. 15 of 18. And Stafford has been sacked at least three times in three of the last five games. But we know that he's been absolutely insane pressuring quarterbacks this season. 15 of 18. On principle alone, minus 125 is not going to cut it. I got to go. I got to take it. I mean, I mean, you're looking at a guy who gets after the quarterback basically once a game. Yeah. You're giving me minus 125. 83%, if my math is correct on that, where he's gotten a sack, uh, 15 of 18, and you're getting a minus 125 price. Um, I do like that, man. I do like that. Uh, yeah, he's been – you know, obviously I haven't watched a lot, a lot of Bengals games this season, but the dude's a, a, a menace. He's crazy. He's, I think he's going to be able to take a advantage of at least whichever side he lines up on to get a sack on uh, Matthew Stafford. And we know he's prone to taking sacks, like you mentioned, uh, is Matthew Stafford. So do like that one as well. What else you got for your last one? Uh, so the last one's going to be on Cincinnati to punt on its first drive at minus 110. Uh, usually Super Bowls are pretty low scoring in the first quarter. Yeah. Cincinnati's gotten off to some slow starts in the playoffs. But mostly I think Cincinnati's offensive line – is going to need time to adjust to how good the Rams' defensive line is. Yeah, And I do think that eventually Burrow might take some shots, but I do think there's going to be a feeling-out process. And with this defensive line against the underwhelming Cincinnati offensive line, minus 110 for a punt sounds like a really good deal. I'm going to take punt at minus 110. Yeah, I think the handicap is spot on there, right? And, and historically, we've seen where games get off to slow starts, right? And when you have a team like the Cincinnati Bengals who are in the Super Bowl after, what, 20, 30-something, 30-plus years, um, 
it's a completely different, you know, level that you kind of want to ease your way in. The nerves are still going to be there in that first drive if they get the ball first, or even if, you know, whenever they do get the ball, the nerves are going to be there. So expecting a conservative play call from Zach Taylor, at least on their first drive until they can kind of get their feet wet and, and kind of, you know, get those jitters out of the way. So at minus 110, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I do like this price for the Cincinnati Bengals to punt on, on their first possession. So, uh, Solid, solid props there, Scott. Uh, last question I'll ask you as far as the NBA trade deadline as we wrap up the show here. Outside of James Harden, do you think there's another big name that is going to be on the move? And who might that player be? That, that has to be as the James Harden caliber, maybe like a CJ McCollum type. I'm trying to think of which teams really are in a spot to make a move like that. I don't think San Antonio is going to trade DeJounte Murray, but I kind of hope he would get traded because he's so good. I want to see him actually on a decent team. Yeah. Um, I don't really have much. I'm, I'm trying to think top of my head if I could think of anybody that I can see or visualize being fully, fully shipped in the next day or two. Jeremy Grant kind of comes to mind. I'm thinking about that type of Yeah, Grant's name. the kind of guy, though, that his name's been circulating already. I'm yeah. not sure if there's been a solid, I'd say, team that's been interested. I know Grant was linked to some Ben Simmons offers, but of course that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Christian Wood, maybe. Oh, I'd love to see him go. I'm, I'm trying to think of guys who I can actually see. Randall, I think, should be shipped off, but I don't think that anyone's going to take that contract. So no. I think that New York stuck with him. Yeah. But yeah, if you want a name that I'll go with, I'm going to go with Christian Wood. Okay. It makes a lot of sense for Houston to further clean house, especially if they get rid of Eric Gordon. Mm-hmm. I do think that it makes sense to get rid of Wood for a couple of draft picks just to further, further dive into the rebuild. Yeah, and I think that if they do trade Christian Wood, I think that then you just run the offense through Jalen Green because I really want to see him develop. And I feel like with Christian Wood on this roster and how ball dominant he is and wants to be, I think that's really going to stump the uh, the growth and the uh, development of a guy like Jalen Green. So I would not be mad to see uh, Christian Wood go from this roster because... But I'm saying you ship him and what happens? You give Sangoon an extra 15 minutes a game? That sounds good for a team that's tanking. Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean... I'm in the camp of I do want to see Christian Wood get traded. I mean, the organization said that they want to keep him around, and other fans here in Houston said they want to see him around, but I, I would not be mad if they uh, traded him here at the trade deadline. I'm just speculating. That's just yeah, yeah, a name yeah. that I could see. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's going to bring us to the end of the PropCast for this Wednesday edition. Scott, a very, very busy week all around with the NBA trade deadline and, and uh, the Super Bowl, obviously, but um any last final thoughts uh for at least today and then let the people know where they can find you man uh overall for today i wasn't really a fan of anything on today's card from an actual i'd say side perspective so i feel like it was a pretty i don't know uneventful nba day in my eyes i don't know if you love the card or not i thought it was pretty meh yeah, I think that we were kind of struggling as well on the uh, kind of going through these games. I know we're used to a lot more games on uh, Wednesdays, like ten or twelve yeah. uh, at least. But we have six. Yeah, we we it's kind of a meh card compared to what we've yeah. kind of had in the past couple of nights. That's how I feel. But either yeah. way, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio, R E I C H E L Radio. Besides that, still do, still doing a bunch of editing for this podcast, the Propcast, doing the Die Hard Eagles podcast. Uh, whenever you bring back the MLB gambling podcast, doing that as well. And yeah, just can keep them busy. There you go, man. Definitely busy times over at sports gambling podcast network. A um, couple things, guys, we've mentioned this all week long, but um, get into the $100,000 player prop contest uh, over on the SGPN app, exclusively on the SGPN app. You're not going to find that on the website. You have to download the app, go to your Google play store, app store, uh, download the app, get into there, the player prop contest or the prop contest. Um, SGPN or the SGP is giving away $100,000 if you go a perfect 10 and 0 on their prop. So hop in. It's free to get in as well as uh, check out Thrive Fantasy as well. A lot of great stuff happening on Thrive Fantasy. 
Um, from player props, uh, another $100,000 contest as well on there. Use promo code SGP. Um, they'll match, I think, up to 100% on your deposit as well. And then you get, I think, two free entries into that contest as well. So a lot of great stuff happening, promos um, uh, all across the uh, ads or the sponsors that we have uh, for the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. With that being said, guys, we will be back with the PropCast and the NBA Gambling Podcast as well for both NFL props and the NBA uh, trade deadline wrap-up show, as well as uh, Scott and Terrell will be here tomorrow to break down the uh, Thursday night schedule as well. So with that being said, guys, good luck with your bets tonight. Uh, Let's break these books off and let it ride.